From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. I'm Scott Yates, multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. It's Saturday, February 8th. We get to listen in on a full meeting of the Register Star editorial board. The board has begun its considerations of who to endorse in the race for Winnebago County Board Chairman in the Republican primary contest to be held on March 17th. On Friday, the board met with candidate Jim Webster. On Monday, the board met with candidate Joe Shirelli. That podcast is in your feed now. Now let's drop in on the editorial board's conversation with Jim Webster. All right. Good morning. Welcome to another one of our podcasts with Winnebago County candidates. Today our guest is Jim Webster, who is running for chairman. I'm going to go around the room so you recognize our voices when we ask questions. I'm Wally Haas. I'm the opinion editor of the Register Star. I am Mark Walden. I'm the executive editor. I'm Isaac Guerrero. I'm a reporter at the Rockford Register Star. Michael Smith, community member of the board. And Jim Webster. All right. Thank you, Jim, for being here. Uh, why don't we start things off? Tell us a little bit about your background and why you're running for this position. Okay. Uh, where do you want me to start with? My political background? Uh, you start wherever you want. Okay. Um, I guess uh, probably it started... Um, at my own township, Sherwin Township, and this would have been the late 90s where development was going to take place uh, in our community there over a 200-acre parcel. Um, a fellow had bought uh, from Wakanda, Illinois, had bought the property, and he had planned on having a large development there. And at that time, Sherwin Township uh, was going, you know, like, we can't handle the, the that number of houses uh that school couldn't handle it, the roads couldn't handle it, they weren't ready for it, whatever. And so the township uh, had the Zoning Board of Appeals hearing at the township. Uh, and throughout that, uh, the guy felt so much opposition, so he didn't carry through with it, his plan. Well, then uh, some of the township folks decided, well, we need to start a planning commission. They learned that if a township has a planning commission, uh, then they can have an objection to something, a legal objection. Uh, forwarded to the full county board, which would cause a uh, supermajority vote. Okay, So at any rate, when they decided to do that, then uh, I got enlisted to be part of this planning commission. And so over a year or so period, we created our plan, um, much like the county has created the 2030 plan. We did that. We uh, emulated what other communities had done. Now, this is back in the late 90s, early So anyways, so we did that, uh, and then from there I was on the planning commission for a couple of years, and then there was an opening on the Zoning Board of Appeals for the county. And I saw that opening, it was posted for two or three months, and apparently no one was interested in doing it, and so uh, we talked about it at the planning commission there one time, which was, one of us ought to do, why don't you do that? So I signed up for that, and I got appointed to that, and that, of course, that was non-political, so to speak. And as an appointed position, I did that until uh, then when Larry Bauer, 
retired, resigned early from his District 2 um, job. Then uh, some knocking at the door where the Central Committee was looking for someone to fill Larry's position for the term. And so that was in uh, 2003, and they, I wound up getting appointed uh, to that position, and that's where it started with the county board. Okay. So uh, why are you running for chairman? Because uh, I've been around for quite some time. I, I didn't take it lightly. Um, thought about it for over a year. Um, actually thought about it for a couple of years there after I could see how, what was going on there at the county. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't looking good. And so um, I thought about it, thought about it, and finally I said, you know what, somebody's got to make a difference here. And so then uh, it was rumored around that I was going to do that and everything, and then um, that's what happened there. And I got a call from Joe that summer, and uh, I was on the way to a board meeting, actually, and Joe says, uh, now mind you, I've known Joe for a number of years, and Bert as well, of course, and both good guys. I wouldn't say nothing against either one of them. So anyways... Um, so Joe says, Jim, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to run for the county board chairman. And I said, well, Joe, I said, you know, it's not that large of a community where everybody doesn't right. know what's happening. I said, I'm sure you've heard that uh, I would contemplating running as well. And he said, so when are you going to announce? I said, I, I don't know for sure, Joe. And I said, I'm running into a meeting here now. And we'll talk later. Okay, well, we didn't. So, <clears throat> so Joe announced before I did, and that's that. So, you know, how do you, how do you see the job? And what do you think the job is today? What do you think the job should be? And how do you approach your authority as chairman? Okay, for one thing, um, I think things have settled down uh, quite a bit there now. There's still a lot of, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, friction on a lower level, I guess you might say. It's not at the height that it was for a while. Um, I think that uh, I get along great with all the staff from various uh, departments and so forth. Um, I've never had an issue with any of them. I can walk into an office there and they don't scatter. Uh, you know, and they're willing to divulge any, any information that I ask of them. Uh, I get along good with the fellow board members. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, we made some ordinance changes in that, and that kind of uh, set us in, I think, a, a proper direction with some of the ordinance changes we made. And I'm fine with them. I'm, I'm happy that we did them. So you're fine with the job as it is structured today? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. When we made those ordinance changes, it was clear there. The state's attorney made it perfectly clear um, when it was asked about the structure. In fact, the chairman asked that at a county board meeting. Uh, and we were talking about the structure of the county, okay? Mm -hmm. So you, you had this drop down the way it is. And I believe Isaac might have been there that evening. And the chairman said, so where am I at? He asked this of the state's attorney. So where am I at on this structure? And the state's attorney held her hands up in a pyramid fashion like that. And she said, the county board is here. 
county board is at the top. And he says, and where am I? She said, you're down here. And then she said, the county board is at the top. They always have been at the top. They always will be at the top. Everything comes from the county board down. And so that clarified things there. And so uh, the situation there, when, when you uh, think about it, the chairman's position has uh, three statutory things that he has to do. All the rest of that, and this is confirmed by the state's attorney, anything beyond that is what the county board is delegated for the chairman to do. And so I'm fine with that. And so if I was the county board chairman and the board decided that there's some responsibility that I shouldn't have as a chairman, I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. I know what it's like. So who sets the priorities? The priorities for... For the county. Who sets, you know, what, what are the most important things to deal with? Does that come from the board? Does it come from the chairman? Who does that come from? I'll tell you. I was, I'll say this. And I hope I don't get, I don't know, uh, misunderstood on this. Um, politicians, all of us, whatever level we're at, we don't have to have any uh, education, so to speak. We have to be able to communicate well and sell you on voting for me. That's the basic requirement of a politician. Mm -hmm. What we have to do the professional work, are professional people, and I'm talking the administrator right. and department heads and so forth, people that are hired to do things. And so under the direction of an administrator, if there was something coming forward uh, that uh, was going to be pretty darn important, I would first contact the administrator and say, how does this look? Is there money for this project? Can we find money for this project? Does it make sense that we do this project? The administrator has a myriad of duties under their job description. And the county board chairman has a number of duties as well. And even one of them, that uh, one of the duties is, you know, uh, it, it's not necessarily preparing the budget because a board chairman is not a financial wizard, doesn't have to be a financial wizard. You have to be smart enough to take the advice of the financial wizards. And so the chairman presents that budget, and sure, the chairman's going to sit in with the administrator and with the finance and that, uh, and work hand in hand with them. Absolutely. So, but okay, you know, if you're talking about a specific project there, but what about the overall vision? And, you know, what, you know, okay, what would your top three priorities be as chairman, and how would you try to enact them? Well, I guess the first thing would be to get everybody back on the same page again, and I think that would start with um, meeting with all the board members, because there's going to be some new ones now as well. Obviously, some I've worked with for years, but there will be some new ones as well. Uh, looking in a rearview mirror, 
one of the smartest things that uh, Scott Christensen did years ago when he first got in office. He we had 28 board members then, mind you. He had board members coming in two by two from their districts and sat down with each and every one of them in his office, introduced himself, and you know got social with them. You know what's you know your background? I tell you mine and so mm -hmm. forth. Made everybody feel comfortable with them from the very start. And I think I would probably do the same thing. He was a good politician in so many ways, mm -hmm. and I did learn some things from him. So at any rate, I think uh, the priorities there would be for us, number one is our budget, because everything revolves around the dollar. There's nothing that we do, rarely anything that we make a decision on that doesn't involve money. And so I think that would be uh, number one priority, and getting the chief financial officer, the CFO, in there. We need that as well. We just hired an accountant. Our accountant had um, left us here a while back, so we just got another accountant in there, and that's very important. That finance office needs uh, at least one more person in there right now. So we're short there. And so the priorities... Once again, now we've got a search going for an administrator. Okay, We need to do a search for a deputy administrator as well. And the CFO. So those are some priorities. To get, to get people in position, the professional people, to get us on uh, the right track. You think those people should be hired before November, or do you think they should be hired after a new chairman's in place so the chairman can have some input on the, the hires? Sure, that was the discussion on that, and we went uh, back and forth, a number of us did there, and I was going on the recommendation of um, our current interim administrator, Steve Chapman. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. Chapman worked for the county for 26 years or more, and over the years, the one thing I learned about him is he knows his stuff. He really knows his stuff. You can't trip him up. And so I got a lot of respect for that man over the years. So when I sat with him and said, how do you think we should approach this? Because when GovHR came in and interviewed with us, then uh, they were suggesting that perhaps we go with an interim until after the election. And so uh, and I asked Mr. Chapman how he felt about that, and he said, I think that's probably the right way to go, go with the interim for a number of reasons, um, not the least of which, again, is money. Because right. the interim administrator, they would have done the search for us for free, no, no charge to us mm -hmm. for an interim. And if you had an interim come in there uh, and the interim really turned out to be somebody good, they might want to stay and apply for the permanent job. Mm -hmm. And if not, at the end of their interim term, whatever, they walk and another one comes in to fill in. But in the meantime, you can do that full-time search then and get the full-time person in there right after the election. So I want to go back to budget because, um, you know, I think there's an expectation. I think the role of the board is to, help, is to set policy. I mean, you've got professionals who can advise, professionals have to implement the budget, but Ultimately, the board really has to set policies. So, 
how do you think that, 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 and how would you encourage the board from the chairman's chair to, um, you know, to begin addressing the financial challenges that the, that the county faces? I mean, some point revenues and, and, uh, and uh, spending have to, have to manage and the county's going to go bust. How would you begin to grapple with that? Well, I think we have our policy and procedure committee, of course. You know. but we have our finance committee. Now, recently, there after the last election, um, Ted Biondo left us. He was uh, top-notch. I, I loved him. And he had ideas on things and told us what we should or should not be spending this money on. And so some of the things that we have maybe spent money on that we shouldn't have. Maybe we should redirect some of our spending and so forth. Now, going back to the years there when Mr. Christensen was in his first term, we had like a $235 million budget. Right now we're down to 198 $199 right in there for our budget. And so over the years, what we've had to do is we kept slashing things left and right and doing without a lot of things. And even now, when uh, someone leaves a position, um, we don't even post a position right away. We wait 90 days or something to even post it. And so, <clears throat> that's... What, what, what um, what's how you said uh, Scott had slashed and everything. Are there things that county government should no longer be doing, you know. I think I think there's a uh, one of the uh, affluences you hear around here is that if Abraham Lincoln went into a county courthouse in Illinois, county administration building in Illinois, he would still pretty much recognize it. He's been dead for a while. Um, what 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 are the things that that the county government should no longer be doing uh, that no longer make you know, business sense, if you will, and what are they? Well, I don't know exactly what uh, we would get out of because right now we have like River Bluff Nursing Home, okay? And that uh, the chairman, the current chairman, floated the idea of selling River Bluff Nursing Home. Right, we don't have to have that, but I would be opposed to selling that. Uh, these are people that have been in our community all their lives. They're the most vulnerable and they paid their dues to be in this community all their lives. We should be taking care of them. So to me, trying to make our budget, meet our budget requirements or whatever by eliminating River Bluff or selling River Bluff, I'm absolutely opposed to that. I would not do that. Okay, so take that off the table. Where would you go? That's where we'd search for uh, under every rock, turn every rock, turn every stone, to see what we really need. We need to take a really hard look, go down go down our, our list of expenditures, line for line, and why are we really spending this money on one thing or another. And we're going to have to start trimming some more out of there. It's been done year after year, and we'd have to do that again. You know, 75 to 80 percent of the county budget is in some form tied to public safety. Cops, courts, uh, the attorneys, all the way down the line. Correct. So, 
you know, with that much of your budget tied up into an area where I don't see any appetite for cutting, how do you how do you deal with that other twenty percent, twenty for twenty five percent? That's the problem that we have. When you for uh, for the county, we have so many things we have to take care of under our taxes that we receive. All right, and so. For instance, when you look at your tax bill, the county gets roughly seven point something percent out of that tax bill. And we have what, well, not just River Bluff, but we have highway needs, we have, you know, the coroner's office, we have uh, courts and so forth. We have a myriad of things. We also have over eleven hundred employees to take care of out of, out of that. So we look at that versus what the park district gets. They get 8%. They get more than the county. I'm granted, we got some nice parks in that. But somewhere or another, something is never lined up in, in my brain here how that works, where the focus is solely on the parks. They have a, quite a few less employees than we do. The 1,100 plus I'm talking about, we have are permanent full time. Okay? And so I don't understand how that equates. And so we've floated, like uh, Bert has brought it up a couple of times, about uh, going for a, uh, another increase to the public safety tax. And I don't know if there's the uh, voters have any appetite for that or not. I mean, recently we got the uh, half percent put on the ballot there for men mental health. And I don't argue the fact that we need Help needs help, that's for sure. But, but at any rate, um, with all those things that we have to provide the services for and with the lion's share of it going, because the, the sheriff's budget out of our 199, the sheriff's budget itself is 29000 plus, but that does not include the... 29 million plus? Right. Yeah, I'm sorry, did I say 1000 Yes, thank you. So, but that doesn't include the so-called legacy things that we right. have in there and the liability costs and the cost of maintaining the building over there. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of those things are tied in uh, with other, come out of other budget funds and so forth, tax, uh, tax revenues. And so having that left, after all the, everything else is paid for, that's the difficult part that we have to deal with. And that's where we're always looking for every which way we can to save some money. We, we're not a, uh, a wealthy community here. I mean, things are starting to look better around here, for sure. But, you know, we're not swimming in, mo in, in money around here like there are counties to the east of us. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Nobody... Uh, It'd be a fool to think it was. It would be easy to step into that chairman's role there and uh, wave the magic wand. No, that's not going to happen. You mentioned the legacy costs, sheriff, and law enforcement. What the, What do you think should happen to the old public safety building, and, and when? How fast should we be moving on that? Best thing would happen to that is if we could give it away. I've offered that to give it away because it cost us. We estimate. $700,000 a year just to maintain that hulk of a building. Okay? 
So I've talked to developers and asked them, why don't you take those off our hands? If you, What's the response been? I'm curious. Pardon me? What's the response been to that? The response has been, you know what, I looked at it, I thought about it, but, you know, it would take so much to, you know, reuse it or whatever. And I said, you know what, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, I said, you know what, I said, if you'll take the building, I'll talk to my fellow board members and see if we can convince them just to give you the building. And if we have to have an incentive to give you the building, you know, tax incentive or whatever, I'm good with that too because it's costing us money now. Why, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a white elephant over there. Right. Can, can I follow up on that? Because I want to go back to something that Wally talked about or asked when, when he asked you what your priorities would be. And the second part of that was how would you get it done? Because you've been on the board for um, like three terms now. Uh, I, I, forgive me, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a number of years. And, and so at every county board meeting, as a board member, you get a vote. If you're chairman, you only vote if there's a tie, basically. Um, wouldn't it be easier to solve the PSB problem uh, or the budget problem or any of these challenges as a board member who casts a vote rather than a, a chairman who only has the power of influence? If, if the power, if the, if the county government is a pyramid, as you say, yes. and, and the board is up here, mm-hmm. and you're running for a job down here, and you want to solve these problems, why not run for re-election to the county board where you'd be at the top and would have more power to solve these challenges? A phrase you just used, power of influence. That's a good phrase. Because if you're in a position where you, uh, you do have the uh, respect and so forth of your peers, going back to Mr. Christensen, he had the power of influence. He was a good politician in the sense that he could get people working together. He would reach out to this party and that party and get people together. All right. He was also a good salesman because he could sell you on that project as well. Can't you be a good salesman as a county board member? With a, as being a county board member, you also have a vote. Sure you do. As chairman, you don't have a vote. That's right. You need 11 votes to get anything done. That's right. But before anything ever hits the floor, if you have that power of influence, if you have the uh, confidence of the board members. And you can't do that as a county board member? You, you can do that, do that at, a, at a level, but you gotta, uh, you've got seen it. And we have two caucuses, okay? Democrats and Republican caucus, right? I think there's three, yeah. Okay. So, the argument's taking place on the third floor here and on the fifth floor here. Unless we have the combined caucus. So, to, to get everyone on board there, you have to have this combined caucus. Or you have to go reach around and talk to each uh, member individually. And yes, I've got some accomplishments that way, yes. But, if you're the guy at the top, people look to you, you know that, people look to you like, what do you think we should do? Well, that's what I'm asking. As a county board member, you are at the top. You're running for a job that's not at the top. So if you're at the top already, how come these things haven't been done? You're at the top in the sense that you're 
the chairman. Okay, and so same thing when uh, I don't know any. You said the chairman was down here. The chairman is under the authority, as I guess you might say, of the board. Correct. Yes, it's like it's like any large uh, business, Isaac. You have a chairman of the board, and you've got the board. The chairman of the board better have the confidence of his board. If Mary Barra, she's president of GM. If she doesn't have the confidence and the following of her board, she's not going to get anything done. The board's going to elect to get rid of Mary Barra. Right. I, I guess the simple question that I'm trying to get at is, why do we need a chairman at all? If the board has all the power, what's the point of the chairman? The board can solve any of these problems that we're discussing any two weeks, every two weeks that it needs. Why do you need a chairman at all? Well, you should ask that of the state, then the state mandates that you get the chairman and, and gives you those three specific things for the chairman to do. And so, well, going back to that, go, going back to that, Isaac, what I would rather see us do, and I've talked to other board members too, and some of them are like, no, I don't want to do that, we don't want to do that. So we ought to go back to the, the real form of township government where you choose one of your own, and it's for two years. All of our surrounding counties do it that way. And so you, out of 20 board members, you're only, you're only having to uh, convince you know, 11 of them to say that, yeah, we want you to be our chairman for two years, Isaac. Okay, and if you do a good job, whatever, then we might vote for you to do it again. That's what's happened with Bill Headley over in Stevenson mm -hmm. County. His board uh, mm -hmm. has voted to keep him there now up to maybe three terms. Uh, yeah, I think he's on his third term. I've lost track. Yeah, so. because he gets along well with everybody. They like him and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, going back a few years ago, they had a lot of, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but a lot of fighting in that over there then a few years ago. They were they were a heck of a mess. All right? They're not anymore. Bill was able to, you know, tamper things down and uh, move forward on the issues. I would rather see it do it that way. So why because not, you why got not, why not run with that idea instead of running with Oh I, I ran that past some of my fellow board members and they're like, No, we don't want to do that, you know. First one I asked that was uh, actually, actually it was Angie and she's no I definitely don't want to do that and she had her reasons, whatever, but but I like that idea because the, the the taxpayer, the people, have already voted for you, each one individually there, and they've voted for you to make decisions for them. And so now, if 19 people agree to make a decision to vote for you, Isaac, to be their, our chairman, I'm fine. And it's two years, and then we designate the pay, for that person, uh, once again, like Hadley, I don't think he gets thirty thousand, maybe or something. I don't. No, he is. Uh, it's it's not a lot. Yeah, I'd say it's it's not a lot of money, and so then uh, there again now you don't have any legacy costs involved either. So there's no pension for that person, and you know if you don't like him, two years down the road he's gone. If the if the taxpayers that put you in that position as a uh, representative that voted for that. Okay, so if I voted for, yeah, I'm voting for Isaac to be our chairman. Now, my people out in my district say, are you nuts, are you crazy, you know, if you ever vote for him again, we'll never vote for you again, Jim. 
And so, you know, I think that serves the public better. I really do. Well, I want to move, you know, this stuff is all interesting to governmental and political insiders, the political class, if you will. I actually don't think, I'm not, I'm not convinced that the voters care much about infrastructure. I think they care about quality of life issues. One of which it goes to infrastructure and particularly, you know, road construction. We know that the county has what? How many millions or tens of millions? Now, 30, 50 million dollars plus, something like that, in terms of deferred infrastructure needs. How do you? How would you pay for that? Uh, we have a uh, a five-year capital plan now, and for county highway, and uh, it's. We discussed that at our um, public works committee meeting. I'm on public works. And uh, they rolled out our capital plan, too, so I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the highway department and Joe Vanderwerf and that before he left. And so we have a five-year plan on tap now. That, uh, <coughs> I could share that with you. It's, yeah, but is, is it's in a draft form right now, but we're going to definitely uh, wind up approving that. Is the meeting. money all there for it? Yeah, let me, you want to see it? I can share that with you. I think I got it all right here. I think that's some of the stuff I brought. I guess one one reason I asked is you know, we've uh, a spate of um, infrastructure sales taxes, you know, half percent here, half percent there. And we're Cherry Valley, Roscoe. I think. Uh, you chose these very up on as well. Rockford has one. The county doesn't, and um, so we, we bond and we do some other things to get mm -hmm. the money. Would you ever consider supporting a, a small increase in sales tax dedicated to to roads and other infrastructure? I would, if the taxpayers approve that. Yeah, I would. Well, you'd have to put. I mean, either you'd have to put it on the ballot, and I mean, would you be willing to take it to the taxpayers? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I don't have I don't have a problem with that if the if the taxpayers um, if the taxpayers agree to it. Okay. All right. When anything's on that ballot, I may or may not like it, but putting it before the taxpayers about do you want to spend some money? Can you afford to to spend some money? You know, that's I think that's fine. That's proper. I think that what happened. I think what happened with. Uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm beating people up. When the city wanted to go for home rule recently, mm -hmm. and that failed, it was televised. Either you're going to vote yes on this, or we're going to uh, put a tax on there. And they did. Mm -hmm. So they got... Utility tax now is what bringing in about ten or twelve million a year or something like that. Nine, yeah, it's nine something. Nine, yeah. is it okay? Yeah. So they've got that to uh, fill their right. budget gap. Right. We, <laughs> we're not going to do something like that. No. And so that I thought that put the taxpayers in a real, you know, kind of just putting their back to the wall. Either you vote yes for this, or we're going to do this. Sure enough, they voted no, and they did it, and they did it. And so then they also had the ability to have uh, a tax dedicated for roads. Yes. And I don't have a problem with that. If the taxpayers wanted to uh, 
put a uh, half percent increase or a quarter percent or whatever. Now, all of this is <coughs> with the new tax there that's uh, proposed, okay, for mental health. That kind of, um, some of the board members pointed this out right away, they said that that could kind of muddy the waters for asking for another increase, whether it would be for the roads or the sheriff's department, either one. Because the taxpayers are only going to, you know, agree with so so much, and so uh, going back to to the idea of getting people together, talking better together. If that whole thing with mental health would have been brought up, you know, ten months or a year ago, and said, "Here's uh, you know what we're working on," and but somebody else is saying, "Well, we're working on this." Wait a minute, can't we get together? Can't we get on the same page here? You know, how much do you really need? Mental health was stated at one of our committee meetings that there was a $7 million shortfall uh, when uh, Singer closed. So now they're asking for a half percent, but they're projecting that'll bring between 7 and $12 million. So that leaves me scratching my head. If $7 million is the number you need, why did you ask for a half percent? Wouldn't you take a quarter percent work with that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure of those numbers, but I think the original number when Singer closed was twelve million. But you know, those numbers change all the time, so I it's know. hard to say. But you know, out of that mental uh, health tax, if approved, um, you know, the sheriff could get a piece of that because he he sure. does deal with a significant population that has mental health challenges. Yes. So, you know, in, in a way, if this tax is approved, it kind of helps, you know, not just the mental health community, but the public safety community because some of that money could be used there. Correct. I met with the sheriff uh, earlier this week, mm -hmm. and that was one of the things we talked about. Okay. Talked about for the need for the uh, uh, IT right. uh, and so forth, and then, but we t also talked about that, and that could definitely be a benefit if we can get people moved out of that jail and move them to where they're supposed to be to get some treatment. You know, when people are in there for for uh, whatever. I was reading, I got some other information the other day, in some magazines I read, all this stuff. Anyway, so it was about mental health, and last year. They said that twenty percent of the population was affected one way or another with some form of mental health, which include PTSD. Right. You know, um, not just things like schizophrenia and that, but there's a there's a whole gamut of things there that we don't really consider mm -hmm. um, mental health, depression, and you know, so forth. So when you think about it, one fifth of the population mm -hmm. is having mental right. health issues. So I don't argue that we need that. I'm not arguing that at all. I just wondering, I just wondered to myself, is that the proper amount of money to be asking for? And so that makes me wonder, are the taxpayers going to back that? You know, are they thinking that they're already uh, overburdened? That do uh, common people or people on the street think that there's not a need for that. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, at some point, don't our political leaders have a have a responsibility to uh, to explain the value of what we get for our tax dollars? You know, I think there's an awful lot of of 
people in the political class who, who are not shy about uh, discussing the cost of everything, but the value of nothing, and, and you know, the, and which plays well in an anti-tax environment. But at some point, you know, things have to be paid for. Roads would be one of them. Uh, you know, public certain public health services would be another. And uh, you know, I, I think uh, should we should, should members of the county board get out there and advocate for uh, for you know the value of, of a mental health tax or the value of an infrastructure tax? I mean, you talk about being an influencer. And really, that's kind of the that's really I think part of the politician's job, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Sure. This, now, this, the, I'm sorry. Uh, as far as the uh, the roads now, <clears throat> what's really going to help us and what's turning the corner on some of our needs for the roads is the motor fuel tax. So that got doubled, the motor fuel tax. Interesting thing about this, uh, the state has their way of having unfunded mandates and all, and things like this. Out of that 100% increase, we only get 65% of that. All right, so but still, that's going to be a very large amount of money. I think like two and a half million or something. So that will go a long ways to helping us there. Um, I had argued uh, over the years there about using some of the host fee money for uh, roads, and of course, I get the pushback. Oh, that's not economic development. Well, you're giving money to help open up this brand new store here. Doesn't it follow that they need a nice road to drive to that new store on? Right. And so, at any rate, so now, though, that we have the increase in that motor fuel tax, and that's making things look so much better for us now, and these projects here, a lot of it is federal and state-funded money in that as well, so things are looking pretty rosy there now, so I probably won't be pushing so hard for that now to uh, move some of that uh, host fee money into the roads, because... The one thing now we that we can't ignore either is our IT. Right. And our IT infrastructure uh, definitely needs some help. And so I wouldn't be adverse to using some of that money, that host fee money, for that. That host fee money is goes into the general fund. And so to slam the door on anything that we don't consider economic development and and you know let's just let's give me a definition of economic development holy cow it's an umbrella this big you know and so I think that that uh, to me that's a non-starter just to to use it for that now the host fees by the way uh, are we're going to uh, have a couple of them expire um, this year and so that will free up some of our um, some of the things that we have to pay for. So when you look at these, these are our long-term commitments. So we have our long-term and then our annual. The annuals amount to about 700000 uh, Our long-terms here are 33 mil, 33 plus, all right? But now we're going to, uh, these three here, uh, I met with the administrator again the other day, I meet him quite a bit, but anyways, um, this one and these two will be expired and so I looked at that and I said well then that's money that could be reallocated if we don't have that those long term commitments there these long terms are what we're the whole fees are locked in for 
And so, once again, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't good to support some of these things. Some of them I voted against them. But to go that long on them, I think is a big mistake. Michael, will you ask a question? Uh, gosh, I, just looking at this, uh, just you know, very familiar with like federal discretionary formula funds, right? And so, yeah, I mean, it's really clear that the increase in like MFT funds from the state, like that's that's a game changer, right? Like that tax hasn't been increased in decades, um, and that's yeah, it's a revenue funding source that you 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 simply take, which is great. I do start to think about uh, the various sales tax referenda that are coming up. And then also just wondering, because you, you, know, you have sales taxes and you have property taxes, and how many sales taxes can you stack before the voters before making, as a potential influencer, a compelling argument to say, you know, it's, it's time to raise the property tax levy, right? And there's some benefits and some challenges when you get into sales taxes, right? I mean, it allows people in adjacent counties not to, to free ride, literally free ride as they come from Ogle County or an adjacent county onto county roads, right, as they mm-hmm. use those roads. Um, but the sales tax allows you to say, all right, use the roads, you pay for it. But other people will say that that's disproportionately affecting people of low incomes right. who, right? So uh, I don't know, just as a potential candidate, how many sales taxes would it take to stack up before you say, listen, I think we need to increase the tax levy, or is that something you'd be opposed to? No, I I can't uh, argue with you there. I think that... Sooner or later, we probably have to uh, raise the tax. We've re- resisted raising the tax levy now for I don't know seven years or so, maybe eight. I, I don't recall it offhand, but it's been a number of years that we haven't raised the tax levy. This year, we uh, we did raise for the new growth. Okay, so we include new growth. Um, uh, that I don't recall the number off top of my head, but it wasn't all that much. It was several hundred thousand. Um, which is still no, just needs that, right? right. <laughs> but it's a start, at least. So I don't know that uh, thing with the, the raising the taxes. It's a conundrum because uh, government has an insatiable appetite for money because we have so many things that we have to take care of, and we increase the taxes uh, to get what we need now, and then what happens? two or three years down the road from now. Are we going to increase them again and again and again? And these are things that uh, that, that we look at. And here in our economy and um, our state, with people leaving us left and right, then there's going to be fewer people to pay these taxes. So are we going to have to increase more to make up for the people that move out? So it, we're in a... Don't kid yourself. We're in a bad, bad state of affairs in the state of Illinois right now. Yeah. I, I want to go to the landfill for a little bit here. You know, we we know we're, the landfill generates revenue through the host fees. Yes, but there have been so many problems associated with it the last couple of years: smell, litter, what have you. Mm-hmm. What what should be done with the landfill? What what's the future for it? And I think you know it's getting fairly close to being full again, right? Aren't we going to have to expand that down the road here? Well, that expansion. Pardon me? What can the county do? Because there's state, right. there's state you know, control over it. Right. The county has a yes. role, too. But 
in, in just right. piggybacking off of Wally's question, what to do with the landfill, and what specifically is the county's role in that? Okay. I just I were talking about this all of a sudden. Um, yesterday I met with a group from the landfill. I met with residents. Yes, okay. correct the residents, and I met with them last Saturday as well. It must have been, I think it was close to four hours. All right, mm-hmm. and they're they're absolutely livid that nothing is happening. I understand that, and they're passionate about it. And so, um, you know. I know they didn't. Uh, you know, it was it was difficult at first to get people down to a level we can talk. Okay, can we just talk? We're here. And so, <clears throat> when they came and spoke to the board, I don't know if you were there that evening that uh, um, Justin uh, went and spoke. No. Justin, Justin Zock, correct. I guess they felt closer to talking to me about it because I've known Justin for a number of years. I used to work with Justin at the State Highway. And your wife worked at the landfill for a number of years, correct? She, all right, let's back up on this. I told you at that board meeting I didn't, you know, that that had nothing to do with it. Well, I'm just saying you know a lot about the landfill because your wife worked there. Yes, so I was trying to impart a little little information to them Mm -hmm. uh, about that because there's a lot of misgivings about that too, and a lot of half truths or untruths or whatever. But the truth is the truth, and so yes. And she would tell me things that were going on there, whatever. But I saw it myself once again. Working with Justin, we worked for the Department of Transportation. That was my wintertime job. I did that for near 20 years. Okay, so my real life job was running a nursery, growing trees, planting trees. Beautiful man. No strain, no headaches, nothing there. I should have just I did that for over forty years. I should have just stayed in the hole in the ditch. My mother said, "Go to school and learn something. Don't grow up, and you're gonna grow up and be a ditch digger." You know, I'd be damned if every day in my adult life I didn't have a shovel in my hands. Anyways, so I had a different perspective that I could share with these folks during my winter time job. I'd go from fall and I get laid off in the spring. There's no side benefits or nothing, but they paid you a good hourly wage. Part of that, every spring, almost daily really, but every spring, there was a, uh, we ganged up on the roads, picking trash. So I had boots on the ground, picking up these bags of trash and stuff. And so, for the last few years, um, the, the truck that I was assigned to for my regular route for plowing and maintenance and everything else, tree cutting with the whole nine yards. Mine was a big truck, a tandem. So at the end of the day, uh, trash picking, two o'clock in the afternoon, whatever, I'd go around to all the other trucks and that, the smaller trucks, and we'd all throw all the trash into my big truck. So I was at that landfill in the springtime. I was at that landfill two or three days a week looking at all that stinking, rotted mess, you know, and all that. So, yeah, I had a bird's eye view of what was going on there. So that's why these folks felt I was more approachable or whatever. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean they um, cut me any slack when right. it came to sure. a meeting. They just felt, 
So anyways, I did meet with them. So that's their frustration. What can you guys, the county, do? And so uh, I said, well, you know, what you've been already been told a number of times there that that's under the purview of the state, you know. And so, of course, they don't want to hear that. And I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. I don't blame them a bit. They're like, you've got to be able to do something. So what would you have me do? Well, you're the politician. Do something, right? And so, and I understand that. So they have taken this, um, it's, it's what we call a boilerplate statement. Yeah. And it's uh, on all of our zoning too, you know. I chair the zoning committee, by the way. <laughs> so anyways, at the bottom of all of our, any of our stuff, there's a boilerplate statement that says, and this project, wherever it is, will be uh, in compliance to all local, state, federal, blah, 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 and all that stuff. And, and it says Winnebago County. So this group, when Justin was at the board meeting, he read that boilerplate statement. So he says, see, reading this, it says that you guys can do something. Well, that's not what it says, you know. And so when I met with them Saturday, and they brought that up again, and, and Justin was one of the, that group that I met with. There were several of them. And so I said, they, they said, what about this? You know, we brought this up, and uh, it wasn't responded to. And then someone said, let me get my phone here for a minute. I think I got it on there. So anyways, I said, uh, all right, I said, what do you want me to do with that? And they go, well, you guys didn't respond. To, uh, the state's attorney didn't respond to Justin's comment there when he read that. And I said, all right. I said, you want a response to that on open session? They said, yes. I said, okay, great. I will talk to Marilyn Hyatt Ross, and I will ask her, Marilyn, you know, I'm not going to surprise her on this. Right. So I did. So I met with Marilyn yesterday, and I said, Marilyn, I met the people. They're livid. They want an answer why the county can't do something. And I said, so they... Uh, want you to respond to that statement that Justin read out loud. And so I'm going to put you on the spot, Marilyn, and I'm going to ask you that at our next board meeting. So you need to be prepared to respond to that. She said she would. And so uh, then Kerlink has weighed in on it, and he said, uh, I will also share with where it is in the courts right now, because the group you know, sued, and it's under the state's attorney's uh, Attorney General, I'm sorry. Attorney General, Attorney General has it in their office now. Now, uh, I also found out over the weekend from that group there that they have hired, I don't know, it sounds to me like it's a, a PR uh, group to... I'm meeting with them next week, actually. The yes. PR group? Yeah. Who are they? Uh, the name is... Mac Strategies. Mac Strategies. Yeah, they oh, are a PR, PR firm in Chicago. Yep. They are a PR firm then, okay. Because yeah. when they were describing it to me, it sounded like a PR firm. <clears throat> they do yeah, PR consulting. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a powerful group. And so so they said they said this PR group's going to come in there, and uh, what do you expect out of that? They're saying this to me. I said, well, what do you, what would you expect? Mm -hmm. You know, they're hired to, right. you know, make things nice. So they said, what they, their goal was, they wanted to get a statement from um, the state's attorney saying, uh, 
They said, what do you think she's going to say? I said, well, what, what do you think she's going to say? I said, there's only one or three things she could say. She could say, yeah, you're right, and we got the power to do something, and we'll do it right now. Or she could say, well, you're partially right. Maybe we could send them a letter and say, come to right. compliance within 30 days. And, of course, they were like, 30 days? No, we want it right now. Yeah. I said, well, you know, you'd always have to say 30 or 60 yeah. or 90. You know? I said, otherwise, she could say, no, there's nothing we can do. And so this is what the statement reads right there. And they're, they're assuming that there's something that can be done by that uh, definition of that statement there. And so, <clears throat> at any rate, so getting to that, so then I met with them again yesterday, and once again, uh, a lot of things we went around in circles on again about, you know, what can be done and so forth. And so then I talked to them, I said, well, even if it got uh, shut down, so let's say the county had the ability to issue that letter to them and said, if you are not in compliance uh, with this, then 30 days from now we're going to shut you down. Or 90, pick a number, I don't care. So what will happen then? Because they're in violation of so many different things by the EPA rules. What will happen then? I said, it's easy to see. They'll pick the easiest thing to fix, and they'll start working on that. So 30-day clock passes, and okay, you guys have you, yeah, oh yeah, we started that, you know. We fixed that leaky faucet. Well, what about the sewer problem? Oh, well, we're going to work on that next. And they could stretch us out forever and ever and ever. And so they said, well, what's the ultimate thing? The ultimate thing is if uh, the attorney general decided that they were in complete violation and shuts the place down. But what happens then? You still got that stinking pile boiling the garbage is still there and you got long-term hosting commitments and how are you going to pay for it see and so yeah and so then so then uh yeah so then when the trash starts coming then the host fees uh, get paid uh, are go go away and then this goes away yeah. so, Jim, uh, we, we spent quite an hour talking about the county's myriad challenges but i want to ask you uh, a question that i asked uh, your primary challenger if you are elected chairman uh, in November, uh, uh, you'll, uh, the chairman is kind of the face of Winnebago County. You go for a number of meetings, you represent the county, mm -hmm. you're a cheerleader in, in many respects. Yes. What, in your opinion, we talked a lot about, about problems that need to be fixed, but what is Winnebago County doing right? When you get that job, if you get that job, what would you brag about? I think we're doing more things right than we're doing wrong. That's for sure. I think the fact that we have the, uh, a lesser amount of money to work with than a park district, and we're covering our tails pretty good with that amount of money for the myriad of things that we have to spread that money over, that's the eye-opener that people don't see. And that's one thing I would bring forward, bring forth, and I'd let people know that. Because for us... To, to have to, okay, for example, that $100,000, 118 whatever it was, for the IT upgrade, okay, look at how long we struggled with that, with spending $118,000 
look at we put, just pushed back on the uh, architectural study for putting a new roof on the juvenile justice center. That was twelve thousand dollars for that. Oh my God! There was tons of discussion and back and forth on that about we don't need to spend that kind of money. That's a waste of money. Doesn't even come out of the general fund. Doesn't even come out. Of the no, fund. but but it's money. Okay. And the, the point I'm trying to get across is. We struggle over spending every single dollar, it would seem. And so, for us to have that pot of money to do what we do, that's the thing that the county, uh, the whole residents of the whole county need to hear that. They need to hear that more often. We need to be better and explaining to them where their tax dollars are being spent. We need to get better at that, Isaac. We need to wrap things up here. Uh, just real quick, uh, why don't you give us kind of like a closing statement to voters, why people should vote for you. Well, uh, I feel the voters uh, shouldn't vote for me because, uh, you know, you, that word experience, we always bandy that word around there, but I do have the experience uh, working with county government. Um, I work well, once again, with the staff. Uh, I don't have any issues with any of the staff. So <clears throat> and uh, with my fellow board members, get along quite well with uh, with them. And so uh, I think that uh, if I transitioned from a board member to a board chairman, I think it would be relatively, I'm not saying easy, but it would be relatively easy because I have a lot of background with the county and the county functions and so forth now. And I feel very much at ease uh, working with all of those folks. All right. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right, thanks. Scott, you got what you need? Thank you. All right. Thank you all. This concludes the Register Star Editorial Board meeting with Jim Webster, a candidate for the Republican nomination for Winnebago County Board Chair. That primary contest will be held on March 17th. This show was made possible by the journalism of the Rockford Register Star. The episode's theme music is called Funk Game Loop by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io and is used under a Creative Commons by 4.0 license. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.